is the way. The way. 101.1. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. The useless nations are telling Israel to lay down your weapons so we can kill you. Israel tells Beirut they will bomb their airport if they keep receiving bombs. Hey, what's spreading faster than COVID-19? And why is it organized retail thefts? Meanwhile, the Dutch government is telling farmers to stop spreading their seed because the fewer who eat the more will die. We won't leave you hopeless, though, but these are the signs of the times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, December 23rd, 2022. And here's something we like spreading like seeds, and that's our podcast. They're blooming through Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google. Or take a deeper dive by visiting the signs of the times at thewaymedia.net or download the Way Media app to ask questions, read articles, or see for yourself we're not AI voices, but real people. And now, here with a global list of who's been naughty and who's been nice, is <laughs> Pastor Mark, whose wife was recently complaining he doesn't buy her flowers. To be honest, he didn't know she sold flowers. Nope. I didn't. You didn't. That's great. It's a side hustle. I should buy her flowers. You should. I should have bought her flowers. You should have bought her flowers. <laughs> it, and chocolates and whatever else she wants. That's right. That's right. And, and you're, Greg, you're in your full regalia. You're looking great. You're all, you're all, um, you know, I grinched up. Fully grinched head out. To toe, uh, mug. Waiting, to go. waiting for I mean, my heart to grow three sizes. There you go. No, didn't it grow 10 sizes? I thought it was three. Oh, okay. Maybe it's I'll only have to three. go back. All right. You know, I caught the, the newest episode of The Grinch on yeah, TV. You got to go to the original. It was horrible. Yeah, the original. The one. It's got rap music going on. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm, it, no. it was, no. No, Fahum Dorum, yes. Fahum Forum. This, you, yes. can't, you can't, you can't, that's your meme with Mr. Grinch. You can't, I mean, you're not going to get any better than that. It's got to be the original. It's got to be the original. Sorry about that. But anyway, yes. you look great. So. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yes. We've got a lot of things to get to today, and including some special Christmas uh, messages from Pastor Mark. One, uh, basically addressing uh, some things that are being said around the world regarding the celebration of Christmas, and uh, Pastor Mark's going to address that as well. But first, let's get into some articles. And, um, hmm. Where is where are the rest of my articles? I don't know, but I can shoot beats over to you real quick. I can do that. We oh, can just, nope, uh, think, nope. There they are. I got my stacks messed up. There you go. Okay, There's, here we right. go. All right. I knew I had him. Uh, the Jerusalem Post is reporting that the useless nations is saying Israel must give up their <laughs> nuclear weapons in a quote-unquote lopsided vote. Yeah, the U.N. National General Assembly affirmed that Israel must give up its nuclear weapons. Unless they must. We're not requesting. Yeah. We're telling you. We're like, telling like you. Somehow they're, they are We can. voted. You have to do it. Yeah, like we're going to listen to that. Uh, 149 to 6. 
So it was close. Uh, an earlier version of the text was approved on the 5th Committee in October 152 to 5. That was close as well. Ukraine had voted against Israel uh, in the 5th Committee, but this time around it was absent from the proceedings. So Ukraine even is voting against. Here's the thing. Israel standing with Ukraine and helping them in this war in Russia. And now Ukraine's fighting against Israel. It might be uh, time to relook at who your allies are and who they're not. Um, anyway, they they criticized uh, Israel for their standing. The resolution also called on Israel to accede to the non-proliferation of nuclear weapons treaty and place all its nuclear facilities under comprehensive international atomic agency safeguards. So, give rid of all your weapons, turn everything over to us. You know, put put your arms down, uh, give up or put your arms up, give us all your weapons, do the what, and we're here to help you. We're your friends. The resolution was put forward by the uh, Palestinian Authority and 20 countries, including Israel's allies. Some of well, their allies. I know. Egypt, Jordan, Bahrain, uh, Morocco, Sudan. By the way, these allies are not really allies. Uh, I, I, these even listed great. Egypt's the closest one probably to an ally. What about Jordan? Wasn't Jordan listed? Well, you're right. Jordan and, Eden, Jordan and Egypt both, at least on paper. Jordan maybe a little bit more than Egypt. They're kind of on paper, and they're friends kind of, but not really. United Arab Emirates, they're getting a little bit friendlier. Uh, Morocco and Sudan, I mean, they hate Israel. I, you know, I don't know why they're, again, it's allies on paper. But here's the thing about this that's so ridiculous. For those of you that know the history, you already know what I'm going to say. For those of you that don't, let me catch you up here. The UN has hated the nation of Israel since they became a nation. I mean, 1948 is the only time they ever had any kind of positive move toward Israel, where after World War II, God moved in hearts to allow Israel to become a nation again because God said in the last days they would be. And so it happened. So they had to go along, and they did. But almost ever since then, it's been this just resolution after resolution after resolution, condemn Israel, condemn Israel, condemn Israel. And now this is the most ridiculous one that I've seen in a long time because here's the thing. Everybody around them wants to kill them. They want the only reason they're not killing them is they have weapons and they can stop them from killing them. So what they're saying is, you've got to give up all your weapons so we can have peace. Yeah, right. I give up all my weapons and you, everybody kills me. Everybody knows that with any brain what's going on. Israel's not going to do this, and they do this all the time, saying, "Yeah, you've got to give up your weapons." They're basically saying, "Make it possible for us to destroy you." And so we voted that you have to do that. We're here to tell you our vote passed. You don't have to kill yourself. So allow us to go ahead and kill you. Give us all your weapons and let us kill you. I think not. Now it's more than ever time to load up and aim it at them as they stay away from us. You know, we've talked about this before uh, as one of the things that could be part of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Right. And that is, is that there would be some sort of vote in the United Nations. Right. Or in the world's court where the equivalent of a search warrant would be issued. Or something like where the IRS can come in and seize your property if, you know, if you haven't paid your taxes. Right. That type of thing that would, that would give some military entity you know, the ability to come in. Now, Ezekiel says that the nations are going to be asking the Russian-Iranian-led militia, you know, hey, what are you guys doing? As if we don't have a clue. Right. So I don't know if that would really play itself out. But when I saw that story, I thought, oh, okay. Well, yeah, if that vote could turn into some sort of law or legal authority to come into your borders and take something... Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, they still wouldn't let him do it. I don't think. I no, I even... no Israel would still resist, but yeah. I could see I could see them trying to do something like that in some sort of false we legal have a way. Warrant. We're not exactly we have a search warrant. <laughs> well, hey, we're, we're official. <laughs> yeah. We we've got we've got the law standing yeah. behind this. Basically, we've got lawlessness yeah. standing behind. It is. Us. It's so yeah. absurd. I mean, everybody knows that the UN is the world against Israel. They always have been, and for them to do this, it really means nothing. There's no yeah. real. There's no oomph behind this. But what it does, Greg, it, it continues to build this whole picture of israel's the problem we got to get their stuff away yeah. and when russia and iran decide to come in it gives more of a justification because they say look the yes. whole u.n the whole world exactly. against them. it was voted this much against that and so we're going in so all it does is and maybe that's what they do too yeah yeah, yeah. that's, that's what's point. coming we know what's coming uh but the thing is boy are they going to be in for a shock yeah are they going to be in for a shock when they come in and god wipes out these armies and israel's elevated and, and they're going to have no choice at that point but to make an agreement with them which the antichrist will do and that'll lead into the final uh, seven years, which is going to be, again, I think, right around the corner. So it, it drives you crazy, but God's in control, and God wins, and we win, and Israel wins. And, and, and let me just make another real quick, Greg, before we go into the next article. I mentioned last week about even seeing there's a lot of people turning against Israel and against the Jews, even among those that say they're Christian in some of the Christian radio shows and all this. Yeah. That is a, that is a great uh, 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 warning. There's a, there's a great, you know, we talk about apostasy falling away. Mm-hmm. I never, you know, you didn't, you don't, in your mind, you don't think that'll happen, but you know that it will because the Bible says it will. There is going to be even part of the Christian community in greater measure turning against Israel. That's going to happen. It already is happening. And now it's happening in even greater measure because the Bible says that it will. And I just want to say this for our listeners out there. If you're, you know, struggling with this because you look at Israel today and you think, yeah, they are doing a lot of things that are wrong. We've mentioned this before, but I want to drive it home again. They're not a perfect nation. They're a sinful nation. They're a secular nation. They have rejected their God. They turned away from their Messiah. They are not pleasing to the Lord, okay, as far as their actions right now. But God knows the future. And because God says, I'm going to pour my spirit out on them and revive them, and they're going to believe in the Messiah, then God says, because of that, I want you to bless them and be a blessing to them, because I made a promise to Abraham that I would do this to his descendants in the last days. So church, hear me, church, God would say, Bless Abraham, bless the descendants through Isaac, bless the Jews, even though they're not good people right now, even though they're doing a lot of bad things, bless them, stand with them, because because I'm going to bless them, and if you stand with them, you're standing with me. So remember, when we stand with Israel, we're not saying that all they do is right. We're saying God told us to do it, and we're obeying God, and they're going to be family soon. Well, and not only that, you know, God's judgment and the things that we read about in the Bible— prophetically about dealing with the nation of Israel have nothing to do with what Israel currently is doing or not doing That's right. good or bad right now. That's right. This has to do with something that happened thousands of years that's ago. Right. That's right. And their stiff neckness that God said, okay, now I'm okay, that's it. I've given you time to repent. You haven't repented. Now I'm going to judge you. And here's how the judgment is going to play itself out. Right. And that's where we see the four hundred and eighty no four hundred and ninety years, right? Right. Four hundred and ninety mm-hmm. years, seventy times seven. Uh all of that, and so now we've got that final seven. He, God is adjudicated, or you know, He's meted out the punishment, except for those final seven years, right. and, and that's what we're dealing with right now. Yes, and Daniel told us that the the time clock stopped when Jesus died on the cross. Yes, and it's going to start up again at the very end when the Antichrist comes on the scene. So that's that final seven yeah. years. And by the way, one last thing: it was an unconditional covenant. So you say, "Well, yeah, but the Jews broke the covenant with God; they rejected their Messiah." They did reject their Messiah, but even that agreement about the Messiah 
Receiving or rejecting him does not change the contract. The contract said, I'm doing it whether you accept me or not. So God is the one that's that's written the contract. The Jews, either obedient or disobedient, doesn't change the contract. And that's how we know this is going to happen. Yeah. Well, and the judgment judgment was pronounced before the Messiah came. Yeah. I mean... it was it was already too late, but yeah. God foreknew the future. He can see in advance. He knew that that Jesus was going to be rejected. That's right. So that's right. Anyway, that's right. Anyway. There we go. All right. So let's get into some Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine. Uh, this is from the Times of Israel. Uh, Israel is warning that they will bomb the Beirut airport if it's used for Iran weapon shipments. So yeah. on one hand, we've got the United Nations saying, "Hey, Israel." Uh, you know, relinquish all your nuclear weapons to us. Uh, but hey, leave that Beirut airport alone because we're shipping in bombs. Right. Uh, with Iran. Yeah, I mean, they're just antagonizing Israel. They're forcing Israel to take action. And when Israel does take action, they're going to say, "Oh, now we have all the more reason to attack you." And remember, Beirut, Lebanon, that whole thing—they're they're a proxy with Iran. It's basically Iran on a different border. So uh, the the Ashark al Assad citing Israel political sources says Jerusalem investigating report by Saudi TV claiming Tehran is transferring weapons directly to Lebanon on civilian flights. Now look at this. It's not even military, which they know if they do that. Israel will recognize its military planes. They're going to see what's in them. They could shoot them down. But what do you do when it's civilians? It's this whole thing where when you see them in Gaza, Greg, bomb Israel, they, they go and they shoot their bombs from schools and, 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 and neighborhoods because they hide behind people. They hide behind civilians saying, you, they, certainly they're not going to shoot at civilians and we can get away with our dirty deeds. And yet you have to take out the bad guy. So they go and take out the bad guy. Some civilian areas get hit and they go, look how these mean Israelis are. Look at them. No, you caused it. You yeah. brought this on yourself. And now they're putting Greg on civilian planes. I don't think that Israel's going to shoot down civilian flights, but I do believe that once those civilians get off those flights, they'll blow those planes up. The article goes on, Israel has warned Lebanon that it could bomb Beirut's international airport, according to one Saturday report, after an earlier report claimed that Iran had recently transferred weaponry to Hezbollah terror groups by civilian flights. I don't care. Look, if they're bringing in weaponry, you've got to take the weaponry out and do your best to save all the civilians you can, of course. But... This is where they put Israel, Greg, in an impossible situation. You can see how the enemy is going to use this to inflame the world. How dare those Israelis? They look like the, you know, the, the as my grandmother used to say, the Mino nasties. They're bombing innocent civilians. Yeah, yeah, look at yeah. these guys. And so now the world's going to be saying, go kill them, kill them, take them out. When all they're doing is defending themselves. I mean, it is ridiculous. And um, and so this kind of stuff, again, I'm, I'm glad I know the end of all this because mm. it would drive you nuts. It would drive you nuts, and, and, yeah. But we can rest. Because the Lord is in control, yeah. and He's going to play this out. He's 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 causing Israel to be ready. He's causing the antagonists around the world to be ready to attack, and He's going to come in and He will defend them. It's going to be an exciting day when when the Lord defends the nation of Israel. Yeah, it is encouraging to know that God is in control of the the prophetic birth pangs yeah. that Jesus talked about. Absolutely. in Matthew. Yeah. All right, let's get into some news here in America. Uh, this is really a good reflection of Second Timothy chapter three. Uh, this is yeah. from Fox Business. Former Home Depot CEO warns organized retail theft is an epidemic that's spreading faster than COVID. Yeah, you know, Greg, we've been watching this when COVID started, when all these riots started, really before COVID um, and during COVID. And what's happening is there's this mindset that, you know what, I'm just going to take this. It's not like you just, that first it started out, give us reparations, whether it, it could be different groups. Uh, can be poor, any group saying you need to, you know, the, the, we know there's part reparation thing going on as far as some political things, but there's also other groups that say, look, we just deserve to get, you know, 
what's what they say is theirs when it's not theirs, and we're going to go take it. And so they attack, they destroy, they take whatever, and it doesn't matter. It's 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 really more than no more than a robber or a thief knocking somebody over the head and taking their stuff from them, and saying, you know, you owe it to me. This is belongs to me. And now it's become so normal that people think I can walk right into any store, get whatever I want, and I'm justified in doing it because it's the right thing to do. And you have the people that are backing the whole get rid of the police movements, backing them in the midst of it. Um, big name retailers like Walmart, Home Depot warned of rising retail thefts for the holiday season. So it wasn't just uh, Home Depot. Walmart's saying it, too. Today, this thing is an epidemic, they say. It's spreading faster than COVID, as you read. Um, on Fox & Friends, the former CEO said, uh, Bob Nardelli, the degree of severity now, it's not just theft, it's smash and grab. There's an entitlement, and that's the key. There's an entitlement out there that if you have it, you've worked hard to earn it. I want it. I'm just going to take it. So you go and earn it, and then I take it from you. That's called theft, and the Bible condemns that. Well, and that's also called uh, socialism. You're, yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. It, socialism is a little bit more civilized. They, yeah. The government takes it and hands it over. In this case, they beat you over the head and take it. You see what I'm saying? Well, they're just cutting out the middleman, Pastor uh, yeah. Mark. Well, Walmart yeah. joins and says the growing list of retailers feeling the wrath of raging theft and crime across the nation ahead of the holiday shopping season. Drugstore companies like Rite Aid, CVS, Walgreens have publicly cited shoplifting concerns as well as retailers such as Kroger, Target, and Best Buy. The Home Depot also also recently expressed it was outraged when an elderly worker died after being shoved. Did you see that article? We never covered it, but somebody was walking out of uh, Home Depot, and he tried to stop him. This guy just pushed him down and killed him. He was an old elderly guy, and he hit himself, I guess, maybe in the head. He died. That was in a store in North Carolina. I saw just today, uh, this is kind of a good news story, uh, but not in our stack, so I'll share it. Just today, a guy tried to smash and grab in a mall here somewhere in America. Fox News has it right now. It's on their on their headlines. A bunch of mar- training Marines happened to be there, and they tackled the guy and took him out and held until police came. So he got arrested or whatever. That's but- good. Well, you know, here locally at the Rural King and Halls, which is just outside of Knoxville, uh, a Rural King employee tried to stop a shoplifter in the back of the store. The shoplifter shot him. Wow. And they finally found him and arrested him. I don't remember if the employee survived or not. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's, again, happening everywhere. Yeah, you know, you have you, you used to, you yeah. just had kind of your common criminal. I'm going to go rob something. And there, there weren't that many of them. Now you have this whole mindset we're creating in our culture among a whole, just a culture. It's a cultural yeah. thing. crosses all lines yeah. that you owe it to me, and I'm going to come now and take it. They're, they're, going, they're going to have to set up these stores in such a way where you can't get out unless you pay. Yeah. Either that or you're going to go out of business. Yeah. I I don't know. Again, you know, you're right, Greg. How are you going to do it? Because even if you do, well, we talk well, about the, the digital currency, right? Yeah, well, th- at the beginning, but that's not going to stop. No. If you If you have nothing to physically prevent someone from, because they're just loading up carts and running out the door. Yeah. But they're running out the same way that they came in. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is that that's got to, you know, it's kind of like when you go to return your rental car and you got those spikes that pop up. There's right. only one way you can drive in. You can't drive out that way. Otherwise, you're going to slash your tires. Right. They're going to have to set up something like that where yeah. you just you physically cannot go back the other way. Yeah. Almost like turnstiles that only move in one direction. Yeah. They, anyway. Or else you do away with all stores that sell things right there, and it's all just done online. And it's done digital online. How else could you, you know, do it? And who, it well, listen, and who knows that? Could be the future. We yeah. we don't know. Yeah. It yeah. just it's just so sad to see. Um, you know, this is mankind without Christ. 
This is yep. all of us. This is the sinful nature without God. And this is why we need him to govern us. This is why we celebrate this time of year, Isaiah 9-6. The government will rest upon his shoulders. shoulders why? Yeah. Because he alone can manage the government. You say, well, yeah, but before it got this bad, Mark, we still had our government did okay. Yes. A government based on the word of God, like the one we had, can function, but it still has its problems. Yeah. But without that, and now we're doing away with that, Greg, we can't function at all. The sin slash lawlessness that we see in the world, the travesties, the horrible stories that we see on our news are commensurate to the level with which our world rejects Jesus Christ. And so as the world has gone, and we can go back to World War II, and we can go back to when the whole nation celebrated Christmas and, and things that were evil were done in the dark right are now done in the daylight that's right and that's commensurate because we've because our leadership has now taken stances and positions when i say our leadership because we're talking about prophecy i'm speaking globally too not just about america you know when they're standing in passing laws and making judgments that go against the word of god this is what you get. That's right. That's right. You know, I get a picture in my mind, almost like a slider with light and dark. You know, if, if, if yeah. light comes in, darkness push, is pushed back and, and is hidden. Then when dark, when light goes away, yeah. darkness starts taking over. And you see, you know, it's almost like light comes in and sin, everybody hides their sin. They're ashamed of it and they try to repent. And there's work. Then when, when darkness comes in, everybody brings their sin right out of the closet. They bring it out in the open. They, they live it out in the open. They, make, they force it on everyone else. And the ironic thing is... Is those that are in darkness, if you're living in light, they try to say you're forcing your light on them. You're not. You're just living in light. But when the darkness comes out, they do force it. They yeah. force their way. Like we saw again, this whole thing where, you know, they're in your face, so to speak. Like they had this whole drag show thing last night or whatever. Last night downtown. at the Tennessee Theater. Yeah, it's almost like we're going to go to the center of your city and make a statement of something that's, you know, that's, that's sinful, the Bible says, that it's evil and wrong. And then, it, and make it look like those in the light are the ones that are, that are doing wrong. No, it's the ones in the light that are doing right, standing against it. But the, like you said, Greg, light when, when evil becomes good and good becomes evil, the Bible talks about that. When darkness starts rising up, then good is seen as evil and evil is seen as good. That's where we are in our culture today. Yeah, we are. Sadly, indeed. All right, more sadness coming your way, especially if you... Uh, are under the uh, control of a Dutch government. Yes, with the hope of the Lord. We have with the, the hope in there. Without the hope, yes. said sadness, but Sad. hope of the Lord. Yes. <laughs> the Daily Caller is reporting that the Dutch government is going to seize and close 3,000 farms to comply with the European Union environmental rules. Yes. Which is, the planet must survive and mankind must die. Or else we will use the death ray. Yes, or we and will totally use the death rate. And yes. There you go. That's what's going to happen. Um, yeah, the Dutch government playing a close list. This is so insane. You want to see how insane mankind without God is? It, you think, how could, it, how could it get worse? How, where does man's, where does the mind go? All right, let's think about this. We have a world right now, Greg, that is suffering from famine worldwide already. Now we have more famine because of all this happened with COVID. Now we have things like this storm that just came in that are killing the uh, orange grove crops down in Florida and other crops that are in areas. It's going to be even worse. And then the Dutch government says, okay, we're going to close 3,000 farms near environmentally sensitive areas to be in compliance with EU environmental rules. In other words, we're going to, we're going to take everybody's food away 
so we can protect the environment. That's great. Nobody would be alive to enjoy the environment, but I see what you're doing. I mean, you're killing the people so the environment can thrive. It's the exact opposite of what God said. Yeah. And so, again, it comes after farm, uh, farmer protests erupted this summer following a government plan to reduce nitrogen emissions <laughs> by 50% uh, by 2030. Now, keep that number. I'm coming back to that. Yes. The New York Times reported this. Farmers it believe, used to be 2020, by the way. It's been moved, yep. yep. Farmers believe the measure unfairly targeted the agriculture, agricultural sector, you think? <laughs> Which is responsible for the largest portion of nitrogen emissions in the Netherlands, the Times added. Now, this is pure insanity. Here's the goal. I, I don't understand. Uh, the ultimate goal, Greg, is hard to really understand, other than depopulation, because... To take people's food away to save the planet. Again, to starve them. Yes. And, and let me give our listeners a little bit of more understanding. If you don't know this, you think, okay, what good does a good environment have if everyone is dead? Okay, you think, that's crazy. But that's what they're doing. They're saying, take people's food away. It's going to cause worldwide famines. People are going to die, but the environment will be healthy. It's a total reversal. The Bible says that God created the earth for man. Satan then reverses that and says, oh, yeah, I'm going to convince people that the earth's been created for the earth or wasn't even created, but it just happened for the earth. And man's the problem. So now let's get rid of man. And it just it's totally insane until you understand, Greg, there are many of them that really do. They want to reduce the world's population way down. And some except these, for them. And you're right. And some of these environmentalists, seriously, they write in their own writings. They literally want every person dead. They don't want even the elites to live. They said the, the earth should be able just to thrive as it is without a person on it. I mean, like, who's here to enjoy that? Nobody. I mean, I, I doubt the crickets and the birds are going to be going, you know, uh, this is much nicer without people. If you guys notice, this is great. We can go down the beach. Nobody bothers us. There's not any traffic. This is great. It's insanity. So the whole mindset here just blows my mind. But again, it shows you where mankind can go without God. And the Bible says in the last days, they will believe the lie. This is all kind of tied into this whole deception of the last days. Yeah. But now, something I want to point out before we move on, the whole 2030 date. Keep that in mind. 2030 is the date that the World Economic Forum is touting that they want the, the whole world to be changed. That's the goal. They want the Earth's population reduced, hopefully down to something like a billion by 2030 if they can. They want, um, you know, uh, cars gone, probably planes gone, which they're talking about now. They want whatever this thing. By 2030s, when they want this big transition to take place. Now, are they going to be able to do that? I don't think so. However, that's their goal. And remember, um, with that goal in mind of that date, you know, at some point, you're going to see this hero step up out of Europe and come in to save the day, the Antichrist, if you will. I'm not saying that's the date he's going to show up. I'm simply saying... This is the date they're looking towards. So remember that date. And when you watch these things happen, why would they shut down 3,000 farms all at one time? Notice this. Take note of this, Signs of the Times listener. The World Economic Forum, which is pretty much running the world right now, because all the world leaders are connected to it, they have a calendar. And they literally have marked on their calendar the days they want things to happen the goals they want to reach when they get there, and they literally put on their calendar 3,000 farms closed this day. That's why you had that big riot with all the guys in the streets when there was other farms. I don't know if it's 3,000 by then, but farms closed, 3,000 by this date. This is not just arbitrary. It just happened. There is a literal calendar they are following, and they're doing these overnight things. Boom, we're changing this from today to tomorrow. Massive changes. You're going to see these kind of things leading up to the Antichrist coming on the scene because they're following a 
a written out timetable. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand why, why so abrupt. Why shut down 3,000 farms overnight? Because that was the date that was set and they agreed to it and they're doing it. Who cares if people rebel? Who cares if there's riots? Who cares? It doesn't, people don't matter. People don't matter. Our agenda matters. To Jesus, it's the people that matter, yeah. not the agenda. He loves people. He died for people. And that's a hallmark of the spirit of Antichrist that you see. Listen, these law in your human nature that God has given you, you would never pass a law that's going to bring detriment to yourself. Right. But in John 10.10, 10, it says that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's right. And what's interesting is the word steal also has the connotation in it from the Greek that means it can be done by stealth. So all of a sudden, you don't realize something's gone, right. like your freedoms, right. like your food, yeah. or whatever, because you weren't paying attention. That's right. And kill and destroy has a connotation of just abolishment or complete ruin as well. Yeah. That's part of the word meaning. But... That is his goal, his agenda, Satan's agenda. Why? Because he knows what his future holds, Mm -hmm. and he just basically wants to take as many as he can with him. That's right. And that's the end goal. That is the end goal. And Jesus knew this. That's why that's a prophetic statement. Not a prophetic statement. I mean, it's a historical statement that Jesus made about the enemy, but it's also a prophetic statement about him as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and it says, too, when Satan realizes, Greg, he's coming to the end, he's going to unload everything he has. And this is what we're seeing. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like, look, you know you're surrounded. The enemy's about to blow you up, and you just release every weapon you have to try to take out as many as you can with you before you finally get taken out and that's what satan's trying to do to bring down as many people as he can it's it's it's, it's heartbreaking i'm glad our eyes are open but yes. we need to open the eyes of many more and see that god has to do that but we need to be a part of that so people can come into the kingdom before it's too late yeah absolutely uh, you are listening or watching or enjoying signs of the times that's our weekly look at bible prophecy in the world's news for friday december 23rd 2022 we are live right now on wiam 101.1 fm or online at thewaymedia.net or later on as a podcast Podcast episode number 243. This is our pre-Christmas edition, and we are going to talk about Christmas stuff later as we get through our prophecy articles. But I did want to share this with you, Pastor Marcus. I thought this was very interesting and telling of the times yes. when it comes to Christmas. Okay. Uh, Denny's in America had an issue when it came to closing on Christmas back in 1988. As many of their restaurants had never closed before, Denny's were always open 24 hours a day. And they had over 1,200 operating locations at the time, and 700 of them didn't have locks on the doors. Wow. So it's like, how do we close? <laughs> what an interesting <laughs> problem. Isn't that an interesting problem? But what, what a statement about the society back then, or life back then, versus how it is now. Yeah. Anyway. Just thought that was that's amazing. Interesting to point that out. That is a great yes. factoid, or whatever you want it's to call it. It's a great it. fact. Yes, yes it yes. is a great factoid. We like to sprinkle those in, in the midst of pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Free of charge. Free of charge. That's right. It's included with your membership. It is. That's right. Uh, Fox News uh, is reporting. Now, this was back in December twentieth, so I'm sure there's probably updates to this. But a magnif- magnitude six point four earthquake hitting Northern California, leaving widespread damage to homes and yes. roads. Yeah, Humboldt County Sheriff's Office warned that an alert of widespread damages to roads and homes reported throughout the county uh, as, as a magnitude 6.4. That's a big one. 
shook the northern California coast early Tuesday morning. Preliminary information showed that a 2.34 a.m. Uh, tremor was centered about 7.5 miles southwest of uh, Ferndale, roughly 300 miles away from San Francisco, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. Power outage, U.S. showed more than 72,000 customers without power. Now, I simply mentioned that. Again, earthquakes, we see them all the time. You're going to see more of this, and you're going to see more larger ones. The closer we get to the end, Matthew 24, the Lord said that. So keep your eye on it. This Is this going to be a cluster? We'll find out probably by the next two weeks. If not, it's just one of those that happens. But oftentimes they come in clusters as the earth groans, Romans 8.22. I was just going to say 8.22 as well. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's get into some technology news. This is, uh, and I'll, and I added this article in here, Pastor Mark, because I yes. want to mention something out of this. This is from People.com. A mom was kicked out of a show when spotted by face recognition technology. That's terrifying. This is really, this is huge, guys, because yeah. look what's happening. Here's the bottom line. Let's read it and then talk. We're going to yeah. point out the obvious. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Conlon, a lawyer for a New York, Jersey based firm, took a trip to New York City for the weekend after Thanksgiving to see the Rockettes with her daughter and her daughter's Girl Scout troop, according to NBC New York. However, shortly after entering the lobby, she was told by security guards that she needed to leave. They knew my name before I told them. They knew the firm I was associated with before I told them. And they told me I was not allowed to be there, uh, Colin told the outlet, which reported that a sign at the venue says, facial recognition technology is used to help ensure the safety of our guests and employees. Although Colin says she isn't personally involved in any cases against Madison, uh, against Madison Square Garden Entertainment, which operates Radio City Music Hall, her lawyer firm is, according to the NBC New York uh, uh, report. So get this. <laughs> they now, because of our facial recognition, if somebody decides they just don't like what we believe, where we stand, what we do, where we eat, who we are, no, you can't come in. Sorry, I can't see that movie tonight because, um, you know, you said something on that show last week that upset me. Uh, sorry, you can't eat here because, uh, you know, whatever. Sorry, well, you know how you, how you voted. Sorry, you can't. I mean, this is, Greg, leading toward this totalitarian yes. control. And you think about how could Satan control everyone on the planet through the Antichrist, like it says he's going to. This is another way you see that it's going to happen. The technology is now in place to totally control mankind in every way. And that's just another way to do it right there. Your freedom has been stolen. That's right. That's right. By stealth. You, you, you thought you were coming in here, and now just guilt by association, by the way. Right. She because she works for a law firm that is suing or involved with litigation yes. with Madison Square Garden Entertainment. She has personally nothing to do with the case, but because her law firm doesn't, she works for the law firm. Ergo, she goes. A Grinch came in at night. A Grinch came in at stripped night. Stripped the walls into Whoville. She wanted to watch the the Christmas special. The Whoville took there. all the Girl Scout cookies yes. and this lawyer. Yes, didn't even know till they woke up. There All the candy canes were gone. But see, the good news for us as believers, we can still sing Fahum Dori. Why? Yes. Because we know Jesus <laughs> is seated on the throne. It's not about what the world is. And no matter what happens down here, and I want to encourage you, you, know, a lot of, you hear all this bad news or whatever. Yeah. I want to encourage our listeners again, even before we get into the Christmas segment here, there's a lot of things to be excited about and be thankful for as believers. And that is, no matter how bad it gets down here, God will be with us through the fire. God will see us through this, and we have the victory in the end. We are going to win, and we're going to win forever. So you can rejoice that uh, this is just a temporary thing, and then boom, it's going to be forever, basically, um, celebrating God and rejoicing. So this is, be encouraged, even though we see this weird stuff, we have a great future ahead. We sure do. And all the more reason why we need to be continually 
Washing ourselves with the water of the Word. Absolutely. Let God continue to remind you as you read His Word that He's sovereign, He's in control. A better eternity is ahead. That's right. Than what we're experiencing right now. But these are part of the things that we have to endure, such as people telling Christians you can't celebrate Christmas. That's right. That's right. So the Grinch is working on all areas and globally as well yeah, and globally as well and so um yeah and again greg is it you know that leads us into i guess our next yeah. our next segment here you know a segue there we'll talk a little bit about um an issue that's coming up and about you know things that happens every year as a pastor i hear these kind of things should christians celebrate christmas and that to some of you that sounds like crazy well isn't that the point right but when you learn the history and you know the history you realize well you know it, it yes it is but it's not because there is a history behind christmas and let me first of all tell you what the argument is and then talk about the, the true history of, of Christmas and then talk about why I believe we're freed up. Now, before I even say this, I want to give a disclaimer and a warning to all of our listeners. Don't do anything because Mark said it. Your conscience is what you're going to be accountable to God for. So you do what God tells you to do, not what I say, not what anybody else says. The Bible says if you breach your conscience, it is sin to you. So if even when I share with you my viewpoint of this whole thing about Christmas celebration, if you disagree and go, well, I think you're wrong, then stand your ground. Stand your ground. It doesn't divide us as believers. Do not do it because whether I'm right or wrong, if you don't agree with it and you do it, then you're in sin. Sin against your own conscience. Yeah, yeah. so I want to give that disclaimer so that I'm not accountable to God. Right. When I stand for and say, hey, man, <laughs> you, you talked this guy into it and he had a conviction that I gave. Look, you stand with your convictions. But again, what is what am I talking about? Well, you know, every year at Christmas, I hear people saying, hey, Chris, shouldn't be celebrating Christmas, and here's why. Um, and so the arguments come in about that it's wrong, that it, it, this kind of thing. What is the history of Christmas? And, and so, again, just so you know, it does come from pagan roots. I'm going to talk about the bad first and move to where I believe we're freed up. And, and you've got to make your own choice and your own conviction or, you know, whatever God leads you, but where I've come to. Um, the 25th, look. Christmas is not this time of year. It is, but Jesus wasn't born this time of year. It was either in the fall or the spring, one of the two. Uh, we don't know for sure. It's hard to nail down. But either way, we know it wasn't this time of year because the flocks were out sleeping in the fields at night. It tells us that in Luke. And in the wintertime, they didn't do that. They brought them in uh, into their, their their pens, you know, their caves or, or wherever caves, they keep yeah. them. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, to keep them, you know, because it was too cold to be out there. And so that wasn't part of what they did. But we celebrate it for this reason used to be a celebration that the pagans did, the Romans and the Greeks and all that. A god called Saturnalia, it was the the winter solstice, okay? When the time goes the longest day of the year or the shortest day of the year and all this. And so then it goes... And Mr. Freeze showed up. Yes, it's actually the, the, the shortest day of the year as far as light goes. And then it starts getting light from this point on or whatever. And so they would celebrate it. They say the gods or you know this kind of thing. And they did it by several things. There are things still today we carry on that go back to that. The Yule log was celebrated as a way, believe it or not, mistletoe. There's some things that were celebrated that come from a pagan background. And a lot of people say, well, the tree, you know, you read Jeremiah and it says you're not to take a tree and put gold and silver on it. It's not talking about the kind of tree you bring in your home that you decorate for Christmas. These were idols where they cut off the branches and they covered them in plates of gold and plates of silver. And, and they made gods out of them. They and they worshiped to them. And they yeah. worshiped. It talks about them carrying them around. Nobody carries their Christmas yeah. tree around. So the whole part in Jeremiah about putting decorating them in gold, he's not talking about what we know of today as the Christmas tree. That was an idol that was worshipped in that day. And if you go back and read what it says, they were carrying these idols around. Uh, it was very clearly an idol. They would have faces, hands, feet. They were their gods they worshipped. It's not the tree you're thinking of. Now, did they worship trees? Yes, in that sense, there was some tree worship, but it's still not what we look at today as the Christmas tree and where we get that. So, 
So where does it come from? Well, here's where it comes from. Now, again, uh, there was some involvement with the Catholic Church kind of taking it and switching it around to make it a, a time to celebrate, you know, the Lord. But the actual roots appear to go to a guy by the name of St. Boniface, uh, the late 600s up through the 750, around in there, 740, 750 is when he lived. And there in Europe, in Germany, they were celebrating, they were worshiping the false gods. And, you know, our days come from the false gods. Many people don't yeah. realize the days of the week. Exactly. Well, Thursday was Thor's day. From Thor, the god Thor, and they were worshiping Thor, and they had this massive oak tree that they worshiped there in Germany, uh, and and they were getting ready to have a worship session at this tree. Some even say it was an actual human sacrifice, and this believer, St. Boniface, brought a group of people with him, and he came and chopped the tree, and he stopped the sacrifice, he stopped this whole offering, chopped the tree down to, to introduce Christ, to get rid of this false pagan worship, chop, chop the tree down. And when he did it, the people of the area got furious, kill him, destroy him. They're like, hey, no, leave him alone. Let's see if Thor does it. If Thor's really a god, Thor can do it. It reminds me of what happened with you know Gideon, yeah. this guy cutting the tree down. So St. Boniface cuts down this, this oak to stop, Thor, to stop Thor worship, and it was on Christmas Eve that this happened. Of what we think of today as traditionally Christmas Eve, because of things that had already been switched over by uh, Catholics and all that. So, again, it goes a little bit further back than this, but this is where the real shift of the Christmas tree came, okay? The Catholics have started changing it before that to make it a, a Christian holiday rather than a pagan holiday. And we'll talk in a minute about how I believe that's something we can do as believers. But anyway, so he cuts down the tree, and when he cut it down, he said there's, there was a little evergreen tree there, according to those that recorded this history. He said, now, we're going to worship Christ. That'll be the Christ tree. That tree out there from now on, we're going to worship Christ, and we're going to do it with evergreens and not these fake gods and Thor or whatever. So... That's where the tradition of the tree, and they would take the tree and cut them down to remember and celebrate the Christ tree uh, in replacing uh, the Thor, Thor's day, Thor's tree, and it happened on Christmas Eve. So that's why he thought about the idea of making it to celebrate Christ as far as the switching Saturnalia over to Christmas and now the tree coming in, if you will. Then uh, some time went by. Uh, that was in 722 A.D. when that happened on a Christmas Eve. Then time went by, and Martin Luther, they already had the tree, the Christ tree by that time. And Martin Luther saw it, but he also saw the Hanukkah celebrations with all the Jews lighting the candles in their windows. And he thought, well, that's kind of neat. They've got candles that light up their little tree, if you will. Their menorah that has all the stuff that celebrates Hanukkah because it celebrated the rededication of the temple when Antiochus Epiphanes came in and desecrated it. And so he said, well, then I'm going to celebrate it. So they took candles. And I think, man, putting a candle in an evergreen tree sounds like the most dangerous thing on the planet. <laughs> yes. But apparently they got good at trimming around where they put the yeah. candle, have just a candle there that was solid, and they lit the tree up with these candles gotten from the Hanukkah that goes back to uh, St. Boniface, who cut down the Thor tree and said, now we're going to worship Christ with a tree. And then there you have it. So that's how we have the modern-day Christmas tree. Now, some of you are still saying, well, I still think it's wrong. That doesn't convince me. All they did was take a day that was intended for evil and they're saying, now we're going to use it for good. Well, where does God give the right to take a day that was intended for evil and change it for good and give packages and gifts and all that? Haman. Here we go. Again, those of you that know the story of Esther and Haman. See, I had these same struggles uh, as, as a young believer, and I'm not saying if anybody has those struggles, you know, hold to your convictions. And I shouldn't even have said as a young believer. It's not that you grow and you mature and now you know, but I'm simply saying in my process of seeking the Lord on this, I was like, Lord, is it okay to worship? To celebrate Christmas. What, what do I do with this? Because this was a day intended for evil. And, and we know the story of what Haman did. Haman basically just said, we're going to kill all the Jews. This was a wicked man uh, back in the days of Artaxerxes the king and, and his, his beautiful wife Esther. And the Jews were living there in, in Babylon. It was now the Medo-Persian Empire. It'd been, Babylon had fallen. 
And uh, the king didn't know that his beautiful bride was a Jew. And so Haman was the right-hand man to the king, and he said, let's kill all these Jews. I hate them because they won't bow down to me. He had been put in authority, and the Jews refused to bow down because they only bow down to God. So he said, I hate them. Let's put them all to death, whatever. So he, he got the king to agree, we're going to pass a law that says you have to kill all the Jews. And so the Jews were like dumbfounded. This law goes out. All of a sudden, we're all going to be put to death because of this Haman guy. And so God turns the tables around. Mordecai, who was the stepfather, the one that read the uncle that raised uh, um, yeah. Esther, sends a message and says, look, he's going to kill all the Jews. Haman got the king to sign this. And don't think because you live in the palace that you're going to escape. As a matter of fact, it might be for such a time as this that you were born. And so she was reluctant because you couldn't just go into the king anytime and, you know, and, and try to make some appeal to him. You'd be put to death. She said, all right, if I perish, I perish. I'm going in before the king. She goes in before the king. He loves her. He accepts her. She tells us she puts a banquet on at the second banquet. She exposes Haman for who he is. The king finds out you did what you condemned my <laughs> wife and all her people to death. So Haman had built these gallows to hang all the to to, to hang uh, Mordecai on. And and so he says, you hang him on his own gallows. So they go and they hang Haman and put him on the gallows. So what happened is, though, Haman had set aside a certain day. Um, the 13th of the 12th month in Adar set aside a certain day that they were supposed to kill all the Jews. And listen to what happens. I want to take up in chapter 9. I'm going to read just a little bit, a few verses here in chapter 9 of, of Esther. It says, Now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day, the time came for the king's command of his decree to be executed. On the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred. Again, what happened was the king did a new decree. He couldn't erase the first one, but he did a new decree that said, You have the right to defend yourself. So when all Haman's you know, henchmen come after you, you can fight. So he sent out the new decree. The Jews are ready to be attacked. The day comes, and instead of all the Jews getting killed, he says the opposite occurred, in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. And the Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all the province of of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who had sought their harm, and no one could withstand them because the fear of them fell upon the people. And all the officials of the provinces, satraps, governors, and all the king's uh, work helped the Jews because of the fear of Mordecai. For Mordecai was great in the king's palace at this time. After Haman was removed, he took Haman's place. And his fame spread throughout all the provinces. For this man, Mordecai, became increasingly prominent. Uh, thus the Jews defeated all the enemies with the stroke of a sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they uh, pleased uh, with those who hated them. Then you jump over to verse 18, and now look what they did. So, he set aside a day intended for evil, and Satan was behind it, and now they take this day that was intended for evil, and look what they do. But the Jews who were at Shushan assembled together on the 13th day, as well as the 14th day, and on the 15th of the month, they, re- they rested, and they made it a day of feasting and gladness on that 15th day. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who dwelt in the unwalled towns, celebrated, I'm sorry, of the 14th day, on the 14th day of the month, that's um, uh, the Feast of Purim, uh, uh, of the month of Adar, with gladness and feasting as a holiday from that point on, and sending presents to one another. So look what they did. Satan took a day that was intended for evil against the people of God. God gave them victory over the enemy, so the people of God took that day that was intended for evil, they start celebrating as a day intended for good and for God, and they exchange gifts one another to celebrate on that day that God had shown them he was greater and given them victory. Right. I, look, I know it's not Christmas, but we know that God accepted this. Jesus went, and this, this is where we get Hanukkah. 
Hanukkah came from this. Um, uh, the Feast of Purim, because again, uh, it was it was later on during the time around the time of Hanukkah, actually, uh, when they celebrated this, because uh, Antiochus came in to follow the temple, and they came in and cleansed the temple, and so they kind of linked the two, kind of this whole thing about you know they're they're not the exact same thing, but they're linked in in many ways, and so the bottom line is, um, they took a day for evil, and they turned it into a day for good, and they gave presents. That is exactly the same thing we have done as Christians with Saturnalia. We have taken a day intended for evil by the enemy. We've now turned it to a day to celebrate Christ, and we are sending presents one another to show Christ's victory and the fact that it's been taken for God. So I look at this, again, for me, I have great freedom and great peace to celebrate this because I see historical precedent with the Jews. I see historical precedent in the Scripture of taking a day intended for evil and making it good. And, again, I don't have a problem with it. Now, if there was a worship, if if it was a major cultural thing today, Greg, where, where the world still worshiped Saturnalia, I would reconsider how we're going to do that because you don't want to stumble people around you. But the world doesn't even know what Saturnalia is. Many of the believers listening probably don't even know what Saturnalia is. Um, and, and yet uh, you have these people today that are saying that what they'll do is, Greg, they, they point out all these pagan traditions. And they say, because of these pagan traditions, you're participating in those pagan traditions. And you're just as guilty as they were. And you dumb Christians don't even know what you're doing. Well, they're saying the Christians are done, but in reality, it shows they don't know what they're doing and they don't know what they're saying because the Christians very much know what they've done by turning it from a day that was intended to evil to a day that's intended for good. Look, I would encourage you, if you're doing some of these traditions to go back to paganism, like the Yule log and all this, I wouldn't do that. But as far as a Christmas tree and giving presents and celebrating yeah. the Lord and his birth, even though it wasn't at this time, it's not the issue that it was on this day, which it wasn't. The issue is we're celebrating the birth of our our God. Yeah. He came to the earth as a man. So... Not trying to convince you against your own convictions, but showing you where I came to mind, and that is kind of a, a quick history of the Christmas tree. Yeah. Now, Pastor Mark gave you a condensed version right there <laughs> of a topical teaching that he did a while ago called The Pastor Who Stole Christmas. That's right. And you can find that at thewaymedia.net. Just click on Calvary Knoxville and navigate your way to the topical teaching section, and you can listen to Pastor Mark go into more detail uh, on uh, taking away... Uh, the traditions we know explaining just as he did and giving it back to us in a new way so you can be free as god leads you to either yeah. celebrate or not celebrate yeah. and and remembering the lord's birth there's never a bad time to do that that's right. so the fact that we do it on december 25th even though that we know that he wasn't born there on december 25th right uh and pastor mark will address those things in the teachings uh you know that's okay you know, it's almost like communion, Pastor Mark. Do this is do this as often as you remember me. Yeah. There's no prescribed time of the day of the week or quantity that we do communion. Jesus just said, "When you do it, yeah, remember me." Yeah, and and, and I also want to say this too to add a caveat to that. Look, this doesn't mean the Bible forbids us worshiping God the way the the way the pagans worship their gods. Yes. So this is different than that. If if we were going out and getting false idols and doing all the, no, we don't do that. We stay clear from that. But when you take a thing that was intended for evil and make it good, and you only use the worship of God in line of Scripture, that's where I think we're free. But yeah. again, everybody has to come to their own freedom, yeah. their own conclusion and freedom. Yeah. Well, and not only that, you know, even even for the Christmas music that we play on our radio station, we don't have songs about reindeers and Santa Clauses and, right. and certain things. Not that those things are necessarily, you know, it's just we want the focus to be on Jesus yeah. along with the traditions that do not 
necessarily defile us, or we can go to God's Word right. as an understanding or an explanation for those things. Yeah, the focus is on the yes. Lord, and that's the Absolutely. key. Yeah. And yeah. so, and you know, we talked about some of that, Greg. You know, just uh, in our, we had our Wednesday night service yes. uh, at the Clayton Theater down at uh, Maryville College. And had a wonderful time down there. Had as Isaac a, a great uh, worship team that came and did worship for us, and a, some special Christmas music. And we gathered the body down there. It was a great time, and and just talked about the birth of the Lord. And you know, just as we finish today, maybe just reading through this and just some some interesting kind of neat points we pointed out on that night, just to kind of give us the Christmas story. Kind of a fireside chat here by the by the microphone. And uh, you know, <laughs> don't burn yourself. We, we'll we'll still we'll keep far enough back here. But again, you all know the story. But notice this: it came to pass in those days out of Luke chapter two that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, and all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now, this is appropriate for signs of the times, because remember... It's fulfillment of prophecy. That was the first Roman... Yes, and that was the first Roman Empire. There's going to be a revived Roman Empire. Notice this. The world leader at that time, Caesar Augustus, gathered the whole world together so he could count them and account for them and register them. Same thing the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to gather the whole world through digital data and yes. a mark. Yes. So when Roman Empire is revived, he's going to do it a lot better than Caesar did, but the same thing. <laughs> the whole world will be registered, if you will. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of Nazareth, from Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the, of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, uh, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Again, we all know the story. We talked about what the Lord did. I'm going to keep reading for time's sake and kind of wrap it up in a package here. Uh, notice this. Now, while they were in the same country, shepherds out in the fields, keeping their uh, watch over their flocks by night, and behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That is, everyone has this promise if you simply turn to Christ. For there's, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, there's so many things here. Let me just finish reading this. It says, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger how they all got in that manger, I'm not sure. Um, no, they weren't really all lying in the manger. That, that just They saw Jesus lying in the manger. Uh, and when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the... <laughs> sorry, I, I, I tickled myself here. I got this image in my mind. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and that they've been told. Now, I wanted to read it in one big swoop to kind of talk about what happened. Because, you know, really, I think God gave me kind of a different approach in, in visualizing it this year than in years past. But think about this. There's, this. there's this universal, and when I say universal, it's universe gathering at Bethlehem. Think about what's happening here. Bethlehem is the, it means the house of bread. And, and what more appropriate place for the Savior of the world to be born, the manna from heaven, to be born in the house of bread. And look at how God orchestrated this. Remember what's going on. God sends the Magi uh, months earlier to head that direction before anybody else even left because it would take them the longest to get there. But they're on their way. Then God sends Joseph and Mary 
a few days before. It takes a few days to get down there with her being pregnant to get settled in before the baby's born. Then at some point, God sent not just an angel to come and speak to them. God sent a multitude. It speaks of the heavenly host. It was an army of angels. How many of that is, we don't know. But it was a massive army of angels. They're all converging on Bethlehem at the same time. Leaving at different times, but all meeting up at the right moment that God wants them to be there. The shepherds are out in the fields and these hills that go up and down, up and down, up and down. You know, if they're on a downside of one of these hills, they're kind of trapped. All of a sudden, this angel shows up and freaks them out, tells them that Jesus has been born. That's why he says, don't be afraid. Then the sky, Greg, imagine this. The sky fills with a multitude of God's army. And you think about uh, the days of Rome, you know, Caesar had his army that was holding peace by force. Now we have God's army that will bring peace by the power of God, you know, when Jesus comes back, kind of a foretaste of that. But God's army is there. They make the announcement and say, here's going to be, a, the sign is he's going to be wrapped in swollen clothes and going to be lying in a, in, a, in a concrete trough, which was what the manger really was, in a cave. And he's, and how's that going to be a sign? Well, we know now how it was a sign because, again, Jesus, when he was born, he was wrapped and laid in a concrete trough. When he died, he was wrapped, it tells us, in cloths and laid in a concrete tomb. And even the whole tomb itself, when I thought about it, because I just was there at the tomb here recently, never thought about it before. There are three slots in that tomb there, the garden tomb, uh, in Gordon's tomb where the Lord was buried. There are three slots. Now, I know that, you know, again, I don't want to go too, too far with this. But the thought came in my mind. It's like it was like there was a bed for each of them. Joseph, Mary, and the baby you had two that were together and one over by itself. I know that Joseph and Mary were not in the tomb. I know they didn't all die. Don't go too far with this. But it was the picture of this cave and the three in the cave. And one of them, again, was going to be back in a cave by himself later on, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And really, there were three in there for a moment when Joseph and Nicodemus took the body in and put him in there. You had three in the cave again. They left the body. They came out. Jesus resurrected, came out of the tomb there at the end. And, of course, now we know he's our living and resurrected Lord and Savior. And um, and so then they go, the shepherds go, and they tell the story to everyone. Look, here's what's happened or whatever. And uh, and, and just this whole beautiful thing we celebrate here at Christmas time Again, it truly is a miracle. It's amazing that God came in human form as a baby. He, he grew as a man. He lived for us. He died for us. And the, the hope of this message, that we, as we end right before Christmas, is this. It wasn't just Jesus came as a baby. Remember, he grew into a man. He lived and died for everybody listening to this broadcast and even those who aren't listening to it. And now he says the invitation the angels gave. It is for all men who will simply come. You are welcome. Glory to God in the highest and peace to all those who will come. And if you're listening today and you have not come to Jesus Christ, then my appeal to you that the Holy Spirit's appeal to you right now is give your life to the Lord. He loves you. He came for you. He died for you. And if you want to know the true joy of Christmas, you've got to know the reason for it. And that is what Jesus did by coming for us, living and dying, rising again from the grave. And so what do we do? Well, we say, Lord, forgive us. We thank you for what you've done. We turn, we repent of our sin, we give our life to the Lord, and we're born again. And the greatest gift you'll ever receive, and I know you've probably heard this numerous times, but I want to say it again. The greatest gift you'll ever receive is the gift of salvation that Jesus gives for all who will simply come to him. So our heart for you here at Signs of the Times and Calvary Chapel and is that you would enter into the joy of the Lord and the celebration of the Lord, not just giving gifts back and forth and being with family, which is wonderful, but realizing this is just the beginning. We're going to be in the kingdom of God celebrating what our Lord has done for us throughout eternity. And it, and it all started here when he came as a man. Of course, it started much sooner in God's viewpoint. But in our viewpoint, he came as a man 
and he lived on the earth and he died for us. And what a great thing to celebrate. I mean, again, keep your focus where it needs to be. It's all about Jesus. And that, again, as they say, is the reason for this season. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Pastor Mark. You know, the world did not celebrate the birth of Jesus, but heaven clearly did. That's right. Is depicted with the, the heavenly host. That's right. That showed up. And I was also thinking maybe they were there to protect Jesus as well from the from the demons that yeah. might have tried to take him out. Who knows? Yeah. But we'll know for certain when we get there. But isn't it interesting, Greg? And that's a great point as we finish up today. You know, Jesus came, it was very obvious to those whose eyes were open and who he revealed himself to. But while the world slept, yeah. God enacted this plan. And what do we have today? A world that is asleep. Yeah. They don't see what's happening. They don't recognize the signs of the times and what's going on. And yet for those of us who have been blessed enough to have our eyes open, we now see our God. We see our Savior. Mm. And it, it's like dark to the world. It's light to us. And and what a great thing. Just what a privilege. If you know the Lord, what an honor and what a privilege. And if you don't know the Lord, you can have that honor and privilege by simply becoming a part of His family and receiving Him as Lord. Yeah. What, what, what an amazing celebration and what, what this all means. Yeah. And no matter how you celebrate uh, Christmas this weekend, uh, or if you don't or you do, it is always good to remember the hope that we have because God fulfilled his promise Amen. and gave us Jesus Christ. So I uh, hope you have a good Christmas, however you celebrate it, and make sure to come back next Friday at one thirty as we have our end of the year special right here on Signs of the Times. Follow.